And now, for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. What's up, list nerds, and welcome to the Force 5 Podcast's 100th show. I am your host, X-Video Store Clerk and wannabe screenwriter Jason Kleberg. It really does seem like only yesterday that I was lying in bed at night trying to come up with a way to turn my love for movies into a podcast. I had had a podcast before. It didn't work out. I was trying to connect with other movie fans during the pandemic And the show has turned into so much more for me than that. Through this show, I've been able to connect with listeners from around the globe. I've been able to have conversations with people that I never dreamed possible. And, um, I mean, that includes people from the movie business to rappers, even a professional wrestler. These guests that I've had on have never ceased to surprise me. Of course, I never would have made it to 100 episodes without the support of all of you listening, which started out as some of my friends and has since branched out into places like Mexico, Australia, Norway. I even have two listeners in Slovenia. This show is going to be fun. I've got a small top five list coming up for you. I've got a great vinegar syndrome giveaway. I've got some announcements. I've got some merchandise. And of course, at the end, I've got the Hot Ones Challenge. A little background on this episode, my wife and I are really big fans of the YouTube show Hot Ones, the show with hot questions and even hotter wings. The premise of the show is that you have this this host, you have rotating guests, and they eat increasingly hot hot wings while answering better than typical interview questions. The host, Sean Evans, is an extremely skilled interviewer, and it's not just because of his thoughtful questions. He's able to build rapport so easily with his guests and I really love that about him. He's the kind of interviewer that I've always wanted to be and hope that someday I can get to his level. But I had always told my wife that if I made it to 100 episodes, I'd do the Hot Ones Challenge, never thinking, honestly, that I'd actually get there. I think there's a stat out there that like 17% of podcasts last 50 episodes and over 56% of podcasts last less than 10 episodes. And here we are at 100 So I made good on my word. More on that here in a little bit. The last show was Top 5 Two-Handers with the fantastic Drea Clark. And we had some great suggestions from people on the films we missed. Uh, Over on Twitter, Mark P. Crimmins said Hell in the Pacific. Disc Commentary said Rebecca McKendry's new film Glorious, which is streaming on Shudder right now. Tom's Movie Chat said Might be a stretch, not strictly a two-hander, but I'd make a case for In the Heat of the Night. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, if End of Watch counts then In the Heat of the Night, certainly you can make a case for that. Slumber Party Cinema Club said Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. And Peter Beta came through with five. He said The Lighthouse, The Two Popes, Antichrist, Resolution, and Swiss Army Man. If you want to get into the action, hit me up at Force5Pod on Twitter and at Force5Podcast on Instagram, and your comment might make the next show. I saw a couple of films I want to talk about here on this show. The first is from 1988. This is a film called Tiger on Beat. The year was 1987. Lethal Weapon had just blown the doors off of cinemas, opening the floodgates of late 80s action comedies. And Tiger on the Beat is a Hong Kong film that takes the tone of Lethal Weapon and ups the brutality. Chow Yun-Fat plays Sergeant Francis Lee, a womanizing, lazy veteran cop who's really out to just collect an easy paycheck. He's paired, though, with an overachieving rookie named Michael, who's only out there to bust the bad guys. His determination puts them up against a heroin trafficking organization led by the ruthless Johnny Law. 
You watch this film here, and it's easy to see how Chow Yun-fat was already in the process of becoming a star. He had just come off of Hard Boiled in 1986. He was moving on to The Killer in 1989. He just, he's, he oozes charisma, and he adds a ton of levity to every scene that needs it in this film. His physical comedy is really just on point. His facial expressions alone had me laughing out loud in certain scenes. Martial artist Conan Lee plays the rookie officer, the straight man of this wacky duo, and most of the hand-to-hand stuff is done by him, and he just kicked total ass here. Like many action comedies, this film switches between slapstick and brutal, but when this film gets brutal, it does not pull punches. There are tons of people just murdered in this film. Women get beat up, a guy gets dynamite taped to his hand as a form of punishment, then it blows up, and then he's shot in the back like seven times. The finale features a chainsaw battle that rages on for a very long time, like upwards of five minutes. Speaking of, the finale in this movie is absolutely breathtaking, pitting our two heroes against scores of bad guys in a garage that also features the coolest use of a shotgun ever put to film. You can find that little clip on my Twitter page and a bayonet standoff. Tiger on the Beat is an extremely enjoyable Hong Kong action comedy. The only reason I wouldn't give this five stars is because there's a scene in which Chow Yun-fat inadvertently beats up a woman and it's played for laughs. Like, at first, he's trying to stop her from hitting him, but it turns a little bit brutal. I mean, he's not just slapping her around. She goes through a glass table. She gets a packed palm of flour to the face. It just made me feel gross. And I'm not sure how it would have even been funny back in 1988. Could be a case of comedy getting lost in translation, but honestly, I don't think so. The rest of this movie, though, is great, and it's got a fever pitch pace that never lets up. If you're into action comedies, you're into buddy comedies cop films, Hong Kong action movies, uh, even the Jackie Chan stuff. I think this is a, a really solid recommendation. That's Tiger on the Beat from 1988. Also released, uh, I believe, as Born Hero 2. The other movie I watched is a newer 2022 thriller called The Black Phone. Would you like to see a magic trick? Yeah. Tell me your name. Taylor. I was really starting to like you, Finny. I almost let you go. It's 1978 in a Denver suburb, and a kidnapper known as the Grabber has just taken his sixth victim. The basement in which he's being kept is dark and bare, with only a bed and a non-functioning black phone mounted on the wall that all of a sudden rings. Scott Derrickson has mainly been known for his small-ish budget horror films like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Sinister, and Deliver Us from Evil, so I was pretty excited to hear that he was coming back to the genre after he directed the first Doctor Strange film for Marvel. He also co-wrote the film with frequent collaborator C. Robert Cargill, which only raised my expectations. The script is based on the short story of the same name by Stephen King's son Joe Hill, which appeared in the 2004 short story compilation called 20th Century Ghosts. I had not read the book and, as usual, went in completely blind, so aside from the great-looking poster, I didn't have any idea what to expect. Almost instantly, we get a splash screen telling us that it's 1978. I don't know why, but I'm really just drawn to movies set in the 70s and 80s. It's almost become too challenging to create horror films set in the modern day because security cameras and cell phones have made stories like this all but impossible. 
We open on a Little League game as Finney, our main character, gives up a game-winning dinger to Bruce, the neighborhood Adonis. After this scene, we're slowly introduced to several kids in the neighborhood, including Gwen, Finney's sister, Robin, a badass Hispanic boy who idolizes Bruce Lee, and a few other bullies. We're also introduced to the Grabber, a top hat-wearing, black van-driving kidnapper. At one point, Gwen, Finney's sister, is pulled in by police. It seems that she has vivid dreams that give her insight into the crimes. This gift will end up being a necessity when her brother Finney goes missing. The majority of the film after the first act is spent between brother and sister, one trying to figure a way out of the dungeon he's trapped in, and one trying to decode her dreams to find him. There's also a black phone on the wall that supposedly doesn't work, but somehow connects Finney with other children who had previously been taken by the grabber. Mason Thames plays Finney, and he's good in the role, but didn't necessarily knock my socks off. He was fine. There weren't any acting moments that took me out of the film, but I never had one of those, this kid's gonna win an Oscar someday thought, you know. Um, I did have that moment, however, with Madeline McGraw, who plays Gwen. She stole every scene she was in, whether it be with hilarious lines like calling the cops dumb fucking fart knockers, or portraying genuine agony and fear. There's a scene in which her drunk abusive dad wails on her with a belt and the cries she emits were honestly the scariest thing in the film. Ethan Hawke plays the grabber. He's only on screen for a total of maybe 10 minutes, but he's awesome as this maniacal kidnapper. He has this really cool uh, two-piece mask that he like swaps parts in and out of that change with his mood. It's a really unique look. I love the mask in this. I thought the look of the grabber was was great. Now, I was expecting a horror film. It's not horror as much as it is a thriller, but the tone definitely worked for me. Really, the only thing that didn't work for me in this movie was the supernatural aspect. I've read some theories online that Gwen, Finney, their mother, and the Grabber all have The Shine, which many characters in Stephen King's books possess. Think of The Shine as characters who have a sensitivity to the supernatural or the macabre. Unfortunately, the otherworldly aspects of the movie are never explained or delved into. I would have enjoyed more of that. You know, if the supernatural aspects were taken out altogether, I think the film still could work with remnants and clues left behind by past guests. I'm actually glad we didn't get more of an explanation to the grabber, however. I think it was nice just to have him as this creepy villain without a backstory to humanize him. The Black Phone is a very solid kidnapping thriller with a typical great performance by Ethan Hawke and a star-making performance by Madeline McGraw. It will keep you on edge and never gets gratuitous or over the top. Aside from one moment in which the protagonist almost gets free, the characters make pretty decent decisions, which always affects my enjoyment of these kind of movies. Speaking of enjoyment, speaking of excitement, it's time to stuff Bone Storm in your stocking. Bone Storm is the exciting new video game from the Android Dungeon developers of classics like Lee Carvalho's Putting Challenge and Billy Graham's Bible Blaster. Today's sponsor is a fighting game that pits you against challengers like Graggle, Airshot, Everyman, Lord Evilton, Fallout Boy, The Grumple, Dark Stanley, Mr. Honeybunny, and even more through seven different levels of hell. If you're looking for blood and guts, you've come to the right place. This game is only available for the Game Station 256, and it's only available at Try and Save. Head over to the gaming department and tell them that the Force 5 podcast sent you for the thrilling bonus character, Thrillho. Bonestorm! Tell your parents to buy it for you, or tell them to go to hell.
speaking of going to hell, I'm just on with the segues today. It's time for a giveaway of a hellish film. And this one you're going to want to pay attention to. This is a Vinegar Syndrome giveaway here of a special box set that is no longer in print. Thriller, a cruel picture. This is a limited edition box set. I'm doing a giveaway. You got to get on Twitter to get it. The set, brand new and sealed, was limited to 10,000 copies, but is currently out of print and goes on eBay for over 100 bucks. It has both the 4K and Blu-ray copies of both the uncut festival version of 1973's Thriller and the theatrical cut titled They Call Her One-Eye. It's also packed with extras. So how do you win? How do you win this box set? Go look for the pinned post on Twitter, at Force5Pod on Twitter for the rules. And they are simple. Follow the account, like the post, retweet the post. That's it. And I will be announcing the winner on the next show. So please jump in, check that out. All right. Finally, before we get to listener questions, I wanted to let everybody know that there are a few new ways to support Force 5. First off, merchandise has launched. You can now wear Force 5 out and about. You can grab some stickers, a sweatshirt, a shirt, whatever. They even have like shower curtains on there. I don't think anybody would ever want that. I certainly wouldn't. But hey, if you're that person that's like, fuck it, I want to have Force 5 in my shower. You can do that if you want to. Head to Force5Podcast.com, go to the support tab at the top of the page, and you'll find a link there for shirts, stickers, anything else you might want to have Force 5 on. And I'm going to be straight with you, I don't really make anything on these shirts, but if you want to support the show and support the logo, I'll be your best friend. You send me a picture, I'll put it on uh, social media feeds. Um, yeah, it's just a good time. You'll notice I'm wearing one of the shirts in the Hot Ones Challenge if you go to YouTube and watch the videos. So uh, if you want a sneak preview of what that looks like and you're not satisfied with the pictures on the website, look at me. I've also got a new Patreon launching. That's right. If you want to support the show, we've got a Patreon launching. Uh, it could be up this Monday. Go to, again, go to force5podcast.com and check that out. I'm going to make another post about that when it is actually live, but yeah, Patreon. On that Patreon, you're going to find um, some cool exclusives. I'm going to have a place to play around with some formats that I've always thought about doing, but didn't want to devote a full podcast to. So good stuff coming there. Uh, this show will not change. This main feed will not change with the Patreon. It's just extra stuff if you want to support more. All right, let's get into some listener questions culminating in the Hot Ones Challenge. First off, we had a few audio questions sent over from friend of the show, Sean, and his boys. Hi, Kleberg. Congratulations on your 100 episodes. My question is, what's the best Wayne's World movie, and why is it Wayne's World 2? I apologize, Ashton. Your dad has steered you wrong. I'm not sure if you've watched either of the Wayne's World films, but Wayne's World 1 is far superior. I do suggest when you're of age that it is appropriate for you, you watch both back to back and you will see the genius of Wayne's World 1. Wayne's World 2, not bad, but far inferior to the daddy that is Wayne's World 1. Hi, Kleberg. Why are the movies about hoax the best movies? Man, I really love a good hoax. Well, Isaac, that's a great question. Uh, why are hoax movies the best movies? Who doesn't love a good hoax? Let's be honest. Kleberg, have you ever been to a Pirates game? Have I ever been to a Pirates game? No, but I will next year with your dad. Sean gave his own question here. He said, if you went to Scarecrow Video, which is like the coolest uh, video store I've ever been to, it's up in Seattle, and they let you pick five movies to keep, what would you pick? 
Do you go for really expensive ones? Do you go for extras of movies you've already bought? Is it something super rare? Only stipulation is it has to have been made on physical media. Uh, you know, that's a great question. I would probably go for the rare films that I just did not get a chance to pick up. The Thing Steelbook. There was a Thing 4K Steelbook that I missed out on. Would have loved to have that. I do have different Steelbooks for The Thing, but there was a 4K one that I missed out on. There are some really rare copies uh, of different companies overseas, like Nova Media comes out with these Steelbooks that are super rare. I think they'd all be Steelbooks, to be honest, or like box sets, but that's what I would probably go for, the rare stuff that I just couldn't, couldn't grab when it was out. And one more question here before we get into the Hot Ones Challenge. This question is from listener Maddie Mack. Uh, this is going to lead to our top five list here, our mini top five list. What are your top five movies that aren't out on Blu-ray that you would love to see get a proper release? Well, Maddie Mack, I've got some answers for you here for a top five list. Do you know what's going to happen? Do you know what's happening here right now? Do you know what's going to happen? No, no, no. Words? You just made the list! At number five, I've got Iced from 1988. Iced is a fun slasher oft forgotten in the post-slasher boom horror of late 80s films. This follows the familiar formula by placing a bunch of teens in a remote location while somebody's knocking them off one by one. A group of childhood friends witness the demise of their friend who was accidentally killed during skiing over the love of a woman. Five years later, they've all been invited to the opening of a ski resort but a murderous assailant donned in ski clothes has targeted them and one by one begins to stalk and kill them. This is directed by a guy named Jeff Quitney, who, um, you know, if you've seen the insane film Beyond the Door 3, you'll know what he's capable of. It may not always be pretty, and it definitely never makes sense, but it will be fun. You'll probably laugh watching Iced more than you'll be scared. Highlights of Iced include a ski pulled through the neck, a stabbing death by Icicle, and a final shot involving a snowman that will have you rolling on the floor with laughter. This has only ever been released on VHS, never even had a DVD release, but seems like prime fodder for the Vinegar Syndrome catalog if they can snap one up. So that's uh, Iced at number five. Number four would be Martin Scorsese's After Hours from 1985. He's just an innocent guy looking for a little fun. Hi, this is Paul Hackett. We met earlier tonight. Hi, maybe you should come over, Paul. But before the night's over, he's going to be picked up, pushed around, put on, wrung out, flung out, strung out, pawed, pumped, plastered, and paper mache. What have I done? Just a word processor. It could only happen after hours. Rated R. Now at select theaters coming soon to additional locations. This is his follow-up to Raging Bull and the King of Comedy. This darkly comedic, noirish 1985 film is curiously missing on Blu-ray. Film follows a guy named Paul, played by Griffin Dunn, as he experiences a series of misadventures while making his way home from work through New York City's Soho District during the night. Scorsese won the Cannes Film Festival Award for Best Director for this and the Independent Spirit Award for Best Director. It's an extremely energetic ride that is filled with dark humor and definitely feels like a precursor to the Safdie Brothers films like Uncut Gems. It has been released on VHS, Beta, and DVD, but curiously has never been released on Blu-ray. Feels kind of strange considering how much of a cult classic it has become. If you don't trust me, film critic Roger Ebert gave After Hours a positive review and said, quote, it continues 
Scorsese's attempt to combine comedy and satire with unrelenting pressure and a sense of all-pervading paranoia. So if you don't trust me, trust Mr. Ebert. That's After Hours at number four. At number three, I've got another slasher here, Fatal Games from 1984. Unlike Iced, which came out after the slasher explosion, Fatal Games sat right in the thick of it. Critics said that it's a ripoff of 1981's Graduation Day, which honestly I can't argue with. It has some beats completely lifted from that film, but it's extremely fun anyway. Uh, IMDb, IMDb's description of this film says, A mad javelin thrower kills teenagers in the school. All promising athletes are executed in the most brutal way, especially naked girls in dressing rooms or saunas. The real logline sounds something like this. A seven-member gymnastics team at the Falcon Academy of Athletics is up for the Nationals and are Olympic hopefuls. But before they can reach the competition, somebody dressed in a black tracksuit wielding a javelin begins killing the members. They must discover the killer's identity before the entire team ends up slaughtered. This movie has a fantastic theme song called Take It All The Way, which was composed by Shuki Levy, who composed many theme songs, pretty much every theme song you ever loved as a kid, including the 1992 X-Men show, He-Man, Power Rangers, the Ninja Turtles, tons of others. Michael Elliott, the director, never directed again after this. It's cheesy, campy fun. It's got some great kills with the javelin. As of now, it's never been released on DVD or Blu-ray. It can only be seen if you find a very rare VHS copy or there is a terrible transfer still up on YouTube. But again, this feels like something that Vinegar Syndrome would save from obscurity. Vinegar Syndrome come through on Fatal Games and Iced. Fatal Games, that's my number three. At number two, I've got a double header here, both from James Cameron, starting with The Abyss from 1989, which had a big two-disc DVD special edition at some point. From the creator of Terminator, Terminator 2, and Aliens. My God, it is headed straight for us! Comes the ultimate adventure. Let's go, 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 go! The ultimate experience. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. The ultimate terror. You can't leave me here alone! Prepare yourself for The Abyss. The Abyss, a WSBN 7 movie special, Monday at 7.30. It's a science fiction film written and directed by James Cameron, stars Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth, Mastrantonio, and Michael Bean. When an American submarine sinks in the Caribbean, a U.S. search and recovery team works with an oil platform crew racing against Soviet vessels to recover the boat. Deep in the ocean, they encounter something unexpected. The film was released in the summer of 1989, receiving positive reviews, grossed almost $100 million, $90 million, and uh, won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and was nominated for three more. The film had a really troubled production, and a lot of the shots were done completely underwater, something Ed Harris certainly does not look back fondly on in interviews, but audiences loved it. And rumors of a new release have been in the air since December of last year because of an interview with James Cameron himself, but still no announcements have been made. Second up, we've got another James Cameron film here, True Lies from 1994. Arnie stars as Harry Tasker, a mild-mannered computer salesman who's actually an elite special agent for the United States government who juggles an Islamic terrorist organization and his rocky marriage, both of which collide in an epic climax. This one had a bare-bones DVD and has been released on Blu-ray in bootleg form using seemingly high-def transfers from digital services, but so far, no official Blu-ray release. This is surprising as it's both an Arnold Schwarzenegger film 
and made close to $400 million in 1994. Like The Abyss, a new transfer seems to exist, but the last time James Cameron commented on it was in 2018. Jim Cameron, please finish up with the Avatar stuff so you can supervise these releases. Oh, we don't need more Avatar. We need True Lies. We need The Abyss on Blu-ray on 4K high definition here. Um, so that's number two, double header there. And number one, my number one, Dead Presidents from 1995. Out of all my picks here, this is my most wanted. The Hughes brothers followed up their riveting ultraviolet hood classic menace to society with a film that's just as kinetic and poignant in Dead Presidents. It was released by the Criterion Collection on Laserdisc and has been on DVD, but for some reason has never been on Blu-ray. Criterion just put out Menace to Society on Blu-ray and 4K, so I'm hopeful that at some point they will get to this. The film chronicles the life of Anthony Curtis, played just wonderfully by Laren's Tate, focusing on his teenage years as a high school graduate and his experiences during the Vietnam War as a recon Marine. And then he returns to his hometown in the Bronx. He finds himself struggling to support himself and his family, eventually turning into a life of crime. This really does feel like a, a huge epic. And um, Keith David, Chris Tucker, Bokeem Woodbine, and Freddie Rodriguez all play memorable supporting roles. The film is scored by Danny Elfman. Great score here. And you'll be hard-pressed to find a film that is more exciting in the last 20 minutes as the crew barrels towards an armored car heist that, as you can imagine, does not go as planned. Again, if you don't want to take my word for it, take the word of amazing critic Mark Kermode, who, speaking of top five lists, put this at number two on his list of top five underrated films of all time. So running back through the list at number five, 1988's Iced. At number three, Martin Scorsese's After Hours from 1985. At number three, I had 1984's Fatal Games. At number two, The Twofer of True Lies and The Abyss. And at number one, the Hughes Brothers masterpiece, Dead Presidents. All right, it's time to get to the Hot Ones Challenge. Now, I know that listening to somebody eat hot wings might not be that fun. You know, Hot Ones is not made for radio, but there is video of it. And there's two versions out there. The first version you can find on the brand new Force 5 Podcast YouTube channel. So look up Force 5 Podcast on YouTube or go to force5podcast.com. You'll find the YouTube channel there. Watch the sweat watch the tears. The second is only available on the Patreon feed. It's 15 minutes longer because I screwed up during the recording. Uh, see, I'm not used to filming with video, so I had two video rigs set up. I also had my laptop, which was recording the audio. As I was speaking to the cameras, I didn't know that I didn't plug my laptop in, and uh, yeah, it died four wings in. So on the video, on the full length video, you're going to see me go through sauces five through nine. Yes, I didn't realize until we were at sauce number nine that the audio was dead. So on that feed, 15 minutes longer, you get me doing sauces five through nine twice. Yes, twice. That uncut feed is going to be up for Patreon subscribers. But anybody can go to YouTube and see what you're going to hear here um, there. So. All right, on to the Hot Ones Challenge. All right, we're here. We're doing the Hot Ones Challenge here for show 100. Thank you, everybody who has listened thus far, and uh, we get some great questions. So we're going to get down to this. I guess the, the question that Sean always asks his people first is, how are you with spice? I'm okay with spice. I'm all right. But we're going to find out. I am uh, I'm nervous. 
about getting to eight, nine, and ten. I'm nervous. I think I can make it up to six. Okay, we'll see though. Question number one here. We're gonna be doing the uh, classic hot sauce, the garlic Fresno edition here. It's gonna be our first sauces. Saucer up and uh, we'll get that question going. Okay, first question comes in by text. This one's uh, from Musa, my best friend. Been on the show uh, twice now. Did uh, show one, then he was on show 50 for top five car chases. These questions, uh, number one, question, who was the best guest? And question two, who's the guest that got away? The best guest, I've been really lucky. I've had a, a lot of really great guests. JP Sorrow from The Lapse Fan is probably one of my favorite shows just because he's also one of my favorite podcasters and he's not a movie podcaster, but he was really fun to have on. Lewis Logic was a great guest, uh, one of my favorite rappers of all time. It was great to have him on. Of course, it's always good to have my best friends on. Um, but yeah, it's a really welcoming podcast community and I'm super glad to be a part of it. The guests that got away, there are, have been a couple. The biggest guest that I almost had on was Dane Cook. Dane Cook almost, I was talking to Dane Cook about coming on. He decided against it because I wasn't big enough for him, which I guess I understand it when, when you make, you know, at that level, I guess time is money. Um, other people that got away that I really would have loved to have on, I almost had the show, the show creator of the Amazon show Patriot, which I think is one of the best TV shows ever made. I almost had him on and then he just said he wasn't comfortable doing podcasts which would have been, oh, I was, I was pretty, uh, I was, I was pretty down about that one, missing out on that. And then, uh, another showrunner, the creator of, well, actually, no, the creator of the comic book, The Boys, was almost on, but that one fell through. So those would probably be the two that got away, that I would really, I would have really liked to have them on. Next one up here, we've got, uh, Adobo Loco from Maui, Hawaii. Uh, Island Wings, Pineapple Cayenne Pepper Sauce. These, by the way, I have never opened these, so I have no idea what some of them taste like. I have tried some before. I'll tell you about those when we get to them. I'd be a terrible food critic, by the way. I'd be the Andy Bernard of food critics. This hot sauce is good. All right, question number two here. Grab it from the stack. Uh, this one's from Pita Beta. You don't shy away from your fondness of a weed. What are your thoughts of watching slash rewatching movies while stoned? And what is your go-to Taco Bell order? Thoughts on watching movies while stoned? I almost, actually, I don't think I've ever watched a uh, first watch stoned. Uh, I am very rarely do I watch anything for the first time while I'm impaired. I think it just takes away a little bit. I did, like the last time I think I was really impaired watching a movie was the fourth Die Hard movie, which probably made the experience a little bit better. I really dislike that movie. Um, but yeah, I almost never watch a movie stone the first time. Rewatching a movie, if it's a comedy, I will sometimes watch it stone, but it's always like a go-to comedy, like Old School or um, Hot Rod. I'll watch those stone. Most of the time, if I'm gonna watch something while stone, it's gonna be like Workaholics or Always Sunny or Arrested Development or The Office, something that's familiar to me, so I can just like chill out in my life. I don't smoke all the time. I basically smoke it like late at night if I'm trying to go to sleep or really just had a rough day trying to relax or like back problems flaring up. That's that's when I'm gonna go to uh, to the to the weed. What's my go-to Taco Bell order? That's a good one because I don't really have like a. It's always I'm making up my mind at the drive-through. Uh, but we're gonna say for the sake of this question, nachos bel grande, no onions. 
Let's get those green, green onions don't belong on nachos, let's be honest. That's probably my go-to there. But I do love the chalupa. And the, the like grilled cheese on the outside of the chalupa one, pretty good. All right, sauce number three here. This one is called Mezcaline Burns and McCoy Oaxacan Hot Sauce. Oaxacan Hot Sauce from uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Nothing says Hispanic like Fort Collins, Colorado. Got a little bit, a little bit of a kick there at the end. I like it though. It's good. Hot wings, a great first date. You want to see who, somebody who's sure of themselves. Take them out for hot wings on the first date. Question three. <clears throat> what is your biggest genre blind spot in cinema? And why do you feel that is your weakest area as a cinephile? This is from Greg Sersavasti. By the way, Greg is a great podcaster. He's on two great podcasts. Find Your Film and Cinematics, both great. Uh, runs the Deepest Dream website. So make sure to uh, check him out, follow him, listen to his stuff. Biggest genre blind spot. Gosh, I think there's two. One is, well, I guess there's kind of three. One is uh, musicals. I'm not a big fan of musicals. I've just never been drawn to them, which seems a little bit weird to say because I've really talked a lot about La La Land as being one of the greats. But uh, previous to that, I think the only musical I've ever watched and, and thought like that was great was Sweeney Todd, The Barber of Fleet Street. I think that's the full name of it, but Sweeney Todd, right? Uh, really bloody Tim Burton uh, musical that I really liked, but other than that, like I haven't gone back and watched a lot of the classics. I've seen Singing in the Rain. That was when I was real little and probably didn't even want to watch them. I was forced to. Uh, that, so that's one of them. Musicals. Uh, Westerns, I never really got into very many of the classic Westerns. I've seen the big ones. And I think that's one that I would like to get more into because I've liked almost every Western movie that I've seen. Um, so that's one. And hardcore dramas, I just, I don't find myself drawn to the hardcore dramas. So every year when they have the uh, Oscars, you know, they have the nominations come out, a lot, most of those films, I mean, they're geared towards drama films and I haven't seen a lot of those. Stuff like Green Book, uh, that stuff just does not appeal to me. When I'm going to a movie, I'm looking for something that's, <clears throat> ooh, spice on the back of my neck there. I'm looking for something that is going to, I want to escape from reality. Our reality is so, messed up as it is. So I'm, I'm looking to escape from that. So uh, yeah, weakest area as a cinephile. Those would be my three musicals, westerns, hardcore dramas. Number four here, we've got one that I've tried before. This is Los Calientes Hot Sauce. This one's by Heatnist from the Hot Ones Gang. This one is really, really quite good. This one's got some zing to it too. You often describe yourself as a wannabe screenwriter. What have you written that you're proud of? Are you writing anything currently that you're excited about? If given the chance, what book would you like to adapt? And lastly, how would you write Venom and Morpheus into the MCUs? From Eric Holmes, that uh, last sentence is a reference to a conversation we've been having, having on the Cinematics Facebook page. So if you want some good, uh, some Good film talk, go to the Cinematics Facebook page. What have I written that I'm proud of? I've actually written a lot that I'm proud of. <clears throat> the first thing that I ever, well, not the first thing that I ever filmed, but the first thing that I ever filmed that I was kind of proud of was a sitcom that I wrote with uh, my best friend, Sean Aguilar. That was just a lot of fun. And we wrote a sitcom pilot. We went to an old Comp USA that was closing. They let us film in there after, after hours. We were there until like three or four in the morning. 
just a really fun experience shooting, editing that pilot. Um, that was really fun. That was probably like mid-2000s we did that. I'm also really proud, I have three full-length screenplays that I would sh like show people. Two of them need pretty extensive rewrites. There's one about a private investigator who, he's an ex-cop turned private investigator, a real kind of down on his luck thing going on, and he decides uh, to take a job tailing his ex-wife's new boyfriend and finds out that that ex-wife's new boyfriend is a bank robber. And it's kind of like a cat and mouse game, uh, very lethal weapon slash kiss kiss bang bang-ish movie that I'm really proud of. And then um, I am currently writing something that I'm excited about. I'm writing a an exploitation movie. This is one that I just finished a screenplay that got a seven on the blacklist, and I've I, I wanted to do something to kind of cleanse my mind before I went back for a rewrite. And I'm really proud of that one too. Uh, that one's called Anglerfish. But to to get out of like the serious dramatic crime story, I went towards exploitation. It's a siege movie. And it's called Winter War 84. The second draft is just about done as I film this, and I'm super excited about it. I think it's got a great ending. Uh, it's something that I'm not going to reveal yet, because I, I think that like this one has some potential to get into some hands. So I'm not going to say what it is yet. Uh, I will say that on the Patreon feed, there are going to be... <laughs> we've got some plans to uh, release some of my screen, my oldest screenplays in audio form. And they are not going to be uh, flattering for me, but <laughs> I'm gonna put that out there. That's in the works with some friends, including uh, Sean and Moose. So we'll see how that one turns out. If given the chance, what book would you like to adapt? That's an easy one. I've always thought that Dirty White Boys by Stephen Hunter would be an amazing book and that, that would look great on film. And a couple years back, the show writers from Game of Thrones were attached to do an adaptation of Dirty White Boys, and for some reason, after 2017 or 2016, just all info of it just kind of like wiped off the face of the earth. So I guess that's not happening anymore, but I would love to see that book on the big screen. Just a really great, really um, gritty crime action story in like small town Texas or something like that. How would I write Venom and Morpheus into the MCU? I wouldn't. How about that answer? Number five, The Seventh Reaper, Red Chimichurri, Carolina Reaper hot sauce. This is when we're starting to get a little bit maniacal, a lot thicker than the other ones so far. So it tastes like spicy tomato sauce. <clears throat> Question five. I don't think this is this person's real name. When are you planning to add adult content to your repertoire? From listener Dirk Diggler. That's a great question. Uh, I am not planning to add adult content to my repertoire. Just does not seem like something that would be that interesting to me. I think that there are merits in the adult film section. Not anything that I want to cover. Um, I do want to do more erotic thrillers, which is kind of like the softcore version of that, so that's always on the table. That was starting to tickle my tongue there. I, uh, okay, back half coming up. <clears throat> Here we go, uh, hot and saucy, collards and ghost hot sauce. Pretty ball. That, one, uh, that last one, number five, left me kind of stinging, so I'm gonna get myself into here. This one's dark. Next question up here. About how many movies will you watch in researching each show topic? So it's 
So it's Ryan from the New World Pictures Pod. Um, that really depends. That really depends. <clears throat> Jeez. How am I going to get through these last four sauces? Um, we'll finally go into the water here. That one's, um, that one's not letting me speak. Uh, how many do, how many will I watch? That depends. So some topics I'm really versed in. Like, uh, what we did 90s sci-fi. Or 90s, uh, we did time travel movies. Those ones, um... I've seen them enough that I don't really have to go back and research. <clears throat> Jesus. Why do I do this to myself? For the Charles Bronson one, though, with Ryan from New World, uh, I watched a ton. Because I wasn't that versed in Charles Bronson, so I needed to get more. It, it, so, I guess the short answer, it all depends. Fuck. God damn. That's kind of a shorter answer. So one more, um, are there any movies you are scared to watch, disturbing, like, disturbing to the point where you think they might damage your brain for life? It's from Bruce Perky, also from Find Your Film. Um, yes, there are some movies that I am afraid to watch and will never watch. Some just, I think the Amazon package just showed up. Some that just do not appeal to me, like the, um, the rape revenge film, I Spit on Your Grave. That's one I know about. I kind of like know the story beats. It's just something that I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable watching that. I know I'd be uncomfortable watching that film. I have no interest in doing it. Jesus. Um, what else? Uh, stuff like Martyrs. A Serbian film, which is a movie that was like so notoriously, uh, it was infamous for being really disturbing. And again, I know some of the beats in that one. I would never want to see that. Solo, 120 Days of Sodom, that was brought up on top war movies, top five war movies. Would never watch that. So there are a few, there are a few. Just those ones that push the limit where there's really no need for me to watch something like that. On to number seven here, number seven. My mouth's like straight up on fire right now. And uh, at least I could say that I got further than Shaq did. Definitely got further than uh, DJ Khaled. Oh, this one's got like the protector on top, which is not a good sign for me. This is Turfing's Curse hot sauce. This one's from uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina. That was actually not bad. <clears throat> I think in terms of spice level, in terms of heat, Colors and Ghost might have been a little bit hotter than that one. Or maybe my taste buds have just been burned off my freaking mouth. Chill Phil asks, if you had to recommend only one streaming service and kill one streaming service, which one, which would they be? <clears throat> um, I think there's there's a couple of really great streaming services. I think a lot of these streaming services have their, their own strengths. If I had to recommend only one, gosh. If you're a horror fan, I think Shudder's gotta be the one that I would recommend. If you're not really leaning towards horror movies, HBO Max is probably the one I'd recommend. Um, HBO Max has a good selection of movies, but it also has some goddamn great TV shows. The Wire, that's one of the best TV shows of all time. The Rehearsal, one of the best current shows right now. And Westworld, which always introduces really great ideas and uh, maybe doesn't stick the landing, but still um, a really good show. Shudder's got all kinds of great horror movies. And uh, <clears throat> um, One to Kill, streaming service to kill. I think that uh, if given the choice, Netflix probably has the weakest film lineup, in my opinion. And it's funny because they kind of started the streaming trend, 
but aside from like young adult content, I don't think that they've got much that appeals to me. They spend a shitload of money on these movies that are just like soulless. And I gotta tell you, Red Notice was the worst movie I saw last year. The Gray Man was an improvement this year, but uh, as fun as it was, I can't believe that it cost $200 million. And um, yeah, just their lack of content has, um, it's been, I guess, a little disturbing considering how much money they make and how much money they put into production. Amazon Prime I really like too because they have uh, PBS Kids and my kid watches a ton of stuff on there. So uh, <clears throat> yeah, that one's good. Disney Plus is great for kids too. So those are the streaming service ones. Three questions left. Three wings left. All right, this is the one I was really not looking forward to. Fuck, this one is Da Bomb, Evolution, Hot Sauce. The infamous one from Hot Ones. If you've never seen the show, this is the one where everybody's just... I mean, it has a warning on the bottle that says this sauce... It says consume one drop at a time. With extreme caution. Keep out of reach of children. My kid's not home, so I'm following directions. It smells terrible. It smells like my grandma's basement. Okay, this is one drop at a time. I think I might have sauced a little too much. Oh shit. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they're right. Uh, doesn't even taste good. And it's just hot as shit. It's just like uh, attacking. It. It's like it's attacking in the back of my throat right now. Uh, for those of you listening and not watching, the eyes are watering, nose is running. Um, we're gonna keep going here. Question number eight. <clears throat> What's the worst movie you've ever seen? Do you have any hobbies outside of watching movies? <sighs> okay, worst movie I've ever seen. That's a tough one. There's been a lot of bad movies. The, the only movie that I can remember where I was, <clears throat> the only movie I can remember where I was considering walking out was, uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Robert Rodriguez's film, which I haven't seen since, what was it, 2003? Saw it in the theater, saw it alone, considered walking out. Haven't seen it since then. I can't imagine it's gotten much better. Oh, God damn it. Uh, a guy thing? Jason Lee, I remember that when I when that was over, it was like that was definitely the worst movie I had seen at that time. And then uh, the, the sweetest thing is a movie with Cameron Diaz that I remember being just uh, mortified by after I watched. I think those are like the worst movies I've ever seen. <sighs> Hobbies outside of watching movies, I do have a few. Really into hip hop music, so when I'm not listening to podcasts, that's what I'm listening to. Uh, that's why I try to get so many hip-hop folks on the show. But now, since the pandemic is over, they're all out touring and stuff. Um, what other hobbies do I have? Video games. I play a lot of video games. Uh, <clears throat> I don't play a wide variety of video games, but I find video games I love and I stick to those. I've been playing Rocket League since it came out, so it's probably like six years now. I'm pretty good at that. If you ever want a game with me, hit me up on Xbox Live. Kleberg is my username. Gamertag, whatever it's called. PUBG, I still play that a couple nights a week with uh, Moose. 
and uh, I'm still trying to finish The Witcher. So yeah, my, my video game playing has been very reduced since I've had a kid. I also just got a, uh, a, a couple months back, I got my first uh, electric scooter and I've uh, been riding the Segway 9Bot Max around and uh, we're getting into scootering, it's a lot of fun. So those are my hobbies outside of movies and uh, torturing myself with hot sauces. The bomb, gross. This one's going right, unless somebody's like, hey, I want the bomb online, I'm just gonna throw this one in the fucking trash. This next one, this is number nine, this is Dingo Sauce Company from North Fremantle, Australia. Let's throw another shrimp on the bobby. Psycho Hot Sauce. Warning Extreme says uh, 15 out of 10 heat. Yeah, so they know how to make hot sauces, they don't know how to read the scales. Ooh, this one's got a similar taste to the to Turfing's Curse. Uh, yeah, it's hot. God damn, it's hot. <laughs> We're not joking. Oh, getting careful around the ends. Come on. Complete rookie. <clears throat> what movie have you seen the most times? What movies, if any, did your wife get you into? Favorite movie monologue. This is from Jen from the Every Rom Com podcast. Which I will be on soon. Uh, shit, that one's hot. It's just like toast in the back of my throat. Oh man. Um, what movie have I seen the most times? There are a couple movies that I can recite, like beginning to end. American Pie is one of them. I had that on VHS when I was right out of high school. God damn it. Um, I watched that so many times. Oh, back to the. I, I got a Coke here and I got a water here. I don't think the Coke is helping. Water is definitely not helping. I declined milk. I don't know why. I think I'm gonna have to eat some yogurt after this or something. Ooh, um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is one that I've seen um, just an enormous amount of times. Again, had that VHS. Um, fuck, uh, let's see. Pulp Fiction, I've seen that a million times. And those are really the ones that stand out. Reservoir Dogs is another one. Those are probably the most. What movies, if any, did your wife get you into? Mean Girls. She got me into Mean Girls. We watched Mean Girls together, and goddamn, that movie's fucking fantastic. It's so funny. It's got so many quotable lines. Super, uh, super amazing movie. Tina Fey helped adapt that from a book, and um, yeah, so good. And The Notebook, that's a special one for for us um, that she loved and made me watch with her. Favorite movie monologue. Fuck, my tongue is just like straight up on fire right now. Mm. That is painful. Um, favorite movie monologue. There's a fucking dog barking outside. Perfect. Let's wait for this dog to stop barking. And maybe my tongue will uh, heal itself like Wolverine. That was a mistake doing that too. Something came right back up. <clears throat> There's two that come to mind. The first wasn't the first one is an obvious one. That's gonna be Samuel L. Jackson's in Pulp Fiction when he uh, you know, his uh his biblical speech. It's a great one. Oh man. This one right here, man, the dingo uh, psycho hot sauce, not not for the faint of heart. <clears throat> it tastes good too, but it's just like oh it's just like never it, it's not stopping. Uh, the other movie monologue. It's from uh, one of the most exciting filmmakers, I think, 
I can't even think of his fucking name right now. Um, Thunder Road Director. <sighs> On to the grand finale here. This is the last dab. <sighs> this is the last dab Apollo made with the Apollo pepper. I don't know. I'll be able to do this when I get in the refill water. Because that last one, man, I'm still just, <clears throat> it's going ham on me. The last dab, here we go. <sighs> oh shit, I put way too much on there. Do they recommend people with heart problems do this? I don't think I had heart problems before I started this, but I think I might have heart problems now. This, this is the face of regret. If you're only listening, it's the voice of regret. Oh man, that is inhumane. <clears throat> First question, how dare you? Now as I sit here sweating and crying and uh, sniffling, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know. Favorite beer and brewery? Fieldwork is like right next to my house. So that's the brewery I'm going to now to fucking work off these hot wings. This has been the Hot Ones Challenge. I'm not sorry I did it, but I will never be having the last dab again. And um, if you want any of these last three sauces, the bomb psycho hot sauce from Dingo, or the last dab, Apollo, you just hit me up on Twitter and I'll send those right over to you. First come, first serve. So um, thank you for listening. I hope you had a, f a fun time watching me make a fool out of myself. If you're listening, <clears throat> you only saw it once, but if you're watching, it was twice. I'm glad I did it without milk. But now I'm gonna go drink some milk. Oh, shit.